The Rocket Review, a streaming video podcast where consenting adults discuss sex, kink and BDSM, sexual health, sex work, and the adult entertainment industries. While our conversations are created to build understanding and share valuable information, not all views expressed reflect those of the producers, hosts, or sponsors. The Rocket Review is intended for mature audiences only. Gang, joining me in studio today is Chris. Chris, where are you joining us? What part of the country are you joining us from? I am in uh, sunny Phoenix, Arizona, where it's currently 105 degrees outside. I'm two hours north of you in Flagstaff, where it's actually damp and fucking chilly, as you right? can tell. Where, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll be seeing y'all next week, though. I'm down doing a series of in-person interviews uh, and such. Yeah, uh, I have a friend in the industry who just moved down there, and I lovingly joke that, she, "Why did you move to the mouth of hell?" It's like for brand, <laughs> you know, keep it on brand kind of a thing. And yeah, no, no, no. Hey, shout out Phoenix. It's a it's a fun little town. So, but Chris, I I. I've been following you on on Twitter and a few other platforms. I'm I uh, love the work you're doing. You are uh, what we're going to refer to as more hetero of center in your adult content that you create, and we're also going to talk about some new arenas of adult content that you're going to be getting into here later on. But Chris, I'm going to start with one of my favorite questions around the Rocket Review. What got you into wanting to be an ethical adult content creator? Oh, so this, all right. This is a fun story. Um, so this goes back um, almost twenty years ago at this point. So I was, I was, I had a photography business, and I was, you know, I was just doing like little jobs here and there, and I'm trying to branch out and and uh, make more of a name for myself. So I answered this Craigslist ad, and it was like, you know, do you have your own camera equipment? Can you travel? Do you want to photograph, you know, scantily clad or naked women? And I'm like. I'm 21 at the time. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Like I'm, I'm down. So I go, I go down. And at the time I was living in, uh, I was living East coast. I was living in, in New York. And so I drive down to Jersey just outside of, um, uh, Teterboro airport. And I, I go to this studio and I walk in and it's like the, this like dungy sort of place, like really dim lighting. I'm like, what did I just walk into? And I meet this old guy, his name is Bob. And, and Bob is just like, he's just very to the point. And he's like, listen, we're set up in the other room. He goes, uh, we're going to go through. I need you to take a bunch of still pictures. I was like, all right, cool. Easy enough. What I didn't realize is that uh, it was a porn set. And so uh, I go in and the girl's naked. The dude's, you know, sitting there just playing with himself and uh, just getting ready. He's like, all right, I need we're going to mock up all these scenes. And, you know, I need you to take pictures. And then you're going to stand back. I'm going to film the whole thing all over again. I was like, cool. I get to be on a porn set, 20, 21 years old. And, uh, so I was like, cool. So I do this for about a year and every few days I'd go down, I do some, do some shoots with him. And it, uh, there was one, there was one shoot where just the guy could not perform and he had paid this girl a lot of money to come in and, and film. And, uh, Bob was getting frustrated. And so jokingly he turns around to me and he goes, do you want to step in and finish this? And I was like, cool. I put my camera down. I got naked and I'm like, here I go. And uh, I go in, I do, I do the pop shot. It was like one of the best ones he ever saw, according to him. And after the, after the scene, he's like, he goes, can you do that every time for me? I was like, like, you want me to step in? He goes, yeah, I want you to come down, take the pictures and then step in at the end. He goes, I need you to be my stunt cock. And so I'm like, all right. 
And so for a few years, that's, that's literally what I did is I'd go down, I'd take the photos, I'd hang off on the side, they would start doing the scene and I would just jump in at the end and, you know, uh, I just basically just pop wherever they needed me to. And, and that's, that was my intro into the adult film world. And then from there, just kind of branched out. Spoilers, gang. I've told you all about the illusion of our industry many, 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 many times. And here, here you're hearing it firsthand. Chris got into the industry as a stunt cock and photographer. I love that. Um, I got into the industry uh, as a wardrobe, hair makeup, body makeup, lots of body makeup uh, uh, stuff, too. And fluffer. I'm not even going to fucking lie. I was a straight up fluffer for even still shoots for guys and stuff. Mm-hmm. And well, and and ladies, too, like to be hey, fluffed everybody needs, for everybody needs to be warmed up. I mean, listen, if you're if you're on a porn set, it is it is not what you think it is. And, and sometimes you just you got to get back into the action, you know? Exactly. If for real. Yeah, it, it's a it, it's the ultimate experience in theater camp. Uh, you know, uh, you've got to suspend any notion you have about what it's like working on a professional porn shoot. Any any fantasy you have concocted about it. I promise you it's nothing like that. Uh, I've had I've had Brie Mills, you know, award winning producer for adult time on the show to talk extensively about how absolutely unfucking sexy so, mm-hmm. the, the vast majority of what we do really is sometimes when we're trying to create illusion for your enjoyment, gang. Okay, that's that's what we're trying to do here. Uh, but then nowadays we get to do fun things like have shows like this, where we get to start talking to each other like human beings about our industry. And we're going to do way more industry talk here in the second half. But Chris, that's fed. That is a fantastic story. I, I love hearing that. When did you start kind of pulling the mainstream focus in scenes and, and uh, building your own brand? So building my own brand actually started recently. Uh, my journey over over the years was uh, just doing work for other companies. A lot of the, the bigger names that are out there. Uh, I've been on a bunch of different websites. Bunch. I'm on DVD covers. You know, so I've I've been doing that just as somebody else's talent for some time. Um, Fast forward, I moved out to Arizona about 10 years ago. Um, wasn't really sure of what the scene was like out here. And so I just, I got out of it. You know, I just kind of, you know, went a different path in life. And uh, and then things changed about two years ago. Uh, I met a, uh, a friend, oddly enough, also from New York. And, uh, you know, we got in and we, we kind of started doing this uh, together. And we started creating our own content and really going after what we saw as an opportunity in some areas to... Um, to, I don't know, provide some some different content, but also, you know, we're real big on the the ethics, um, you know, our, you know, all the behind the scenes stuff is kind of crazy for us. Um, and then my personal journey just started recently as things with the, the other company kind of slowed down a little bit. I was like, you know what, I love doing this stuff. I, I feel like I'm good at it. I love creating the content. I'm an artist at heart. And, um, you know, so I just I started my own personal brand and, and started putting it out there back in June or July of this year, actually. Congratulations. Yeah. No, when you're finally, well, finally going uh, solo again and being your own Mm -hmm. producer, man, it's scary, Uh, especially when you've been in the studio system uh, and you're very used to that. It's very regimented. The studio system has been working for decades. It's got a good model. I said good. I didn't say great. <laughs> it's got a yeah. good model. Uh, there's room for improvement. Uh, you know, Hole Punch is trying. It's one of our missions is to try to improve upon the studio model 
and hybridize it for the individual brand person who's mm. building their own brand because uh nowadays you should be building your own brand uh kind of a thing even if you are working with a lot of studios uh, dallas Steele and i have talked about that extensively uh lance charger before he retired and i talked about these are daddies from the gay porn side uh kind mm. of stuff and and uh, we're able to share a lot of their experience with studio versus being independent and as a, a freelancer there's a lot of us like yeah. to say you know uh, <laughs> An independent contractor, as yeah. it were. 10, free 1099. Agent. <laughs> right, a free agent, a free agent, yeah. as it were. Um, uh, uh, because there are still existing in the adult, uh, especially on the on the hetero of center side of adult uh, there in, in mainstream, there is still very much a model where you can get signed into a studio and become kind of a talent on their regular roster. And mm. some of them, some of them even pay a nice stipend whether you're working or not that month or that week or, you know, however. And so, yeah, but you also work exclusively for them. You are ready at their call up within 48 hours, usually kind of, you know, window. And so, yeah, it, it, it can hamper some of your life. Like if you're a spontaneous yeah. traveler kind of thing, that might not be really the, the way to go for you. No, the Internet is really just uh, revolutionized how we can make content. I love how you brought up Craigslist. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen to what, what it was when I, when I started in this business to what it is now, I mean, it's, it's so completely different. I mean, you, you, you think about things, you know, like, uh, only fans, you know, and where that came up out of and, and how that, um, you know, created a whole new breed of, of adult, uh, you know, uh, sex worker and, and talent and everything like that. So, and that just was not available for you to get into this business years ago. You had to, you know, know the studio, you had to be able to go in and, and perform frequently, like you were saying, and, you know, yeah, it's just, it was crazy. Well, and yeah, the studio side and the, the old studio model, I feel like doesn't always lend itself to showcasing intimacy. So that's one of the things I find with the new take on on production, adult content production is we now have an opportunity to introduce talents to each other socially using social media platforms and things long before they're ever going to meet in person. Let them begin building rapports with each other, mm -hmm. uh, you know? Um, and so, because then we have a, you have an opportunity to build much more natural chemistry between the performers, which then lends itself to much more real uh, yeah. sex, real sex that's going on that, that we're showcasing and stuff. And so again, we're in this amazing fusion point, like hybrid point. At the same time, while this amazing stuff is going on in our industry, we're under the most incredible pushback fire we've ever we've experienced in recent decades. I said recent decades, gang. I'm serious. Yeah. Like, I don't think we've seen a porn prohibition pushback like this since uh, uh, they went after Larry Flint and Playboy in the 80s. Mm -hmm. yep. Like, I don't think we've seen this kind of... And so... Trepidation. It's it's important to be ethical and be all about the work side of sex work right now. Uh, it's super important. It's crucial. It's it's do or die actually for the industry. I think at this yeah. point. Um. What? Hey. What are some of your experiences with different platforms? Have you had? Have you had some uh, some go of it? And feel uh, free not. And feel free not to comment if you'd rather not. <laughs> 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll leave it at this. I have had experience with a lot of different platforms. Some of them I absolutely love because they are very performer focused. They are um, talent focused. They're, they're there to support you. Others, uh, they don't give two shits and, and they're there after the money. And honestly, I, I don't want to support them by putting my content on there. I don't, unfortunately, I don't want to support other sex workers on those platforms because they're not getting paid the way that they should. And so, you know, and, and like any industry, you have the good and, and the bad and, and you find the, you know, you stick with the good ones. But yeah, I've had, unfortunately, too many experiences with some of the, the bad platforms. So they're, they're out of my, uh, my stable now and I'm on to ones that I, I feel treat talent far better. It's yeah. Uh, starting in the next season, I'm actually even going to do Rockets Reserve List, where I've started because I've spent two years now vetting different platforms, being on and off of them and stuff. Yeah, I'm super scrutinizing. Like, it, I didn't even, I didn't realize, I didn't realize how over principled I was until I came back <laughs> into the industry on camera, and it was my personage in there it's my work product you know it's my you know uh, uh i'm very picky about the categories my content will get marketed mm -hmm. under uh mm -hmm. there's a, there's some stuff in the mainstream gay porn side that i will have nothing to do with i will not represent that i will not showcase that because i feel like even uh even doing it in the fantasy pejorative under i'm just an actor doing a script or whatever i still feel like nah you're sending a message still yes. that that certain levels of things and interactions are okay and and and, uh, and just because something is a fetish doesn't always mean that it's healthy mm -hmm. oh, I, I couldn't i could not agree with you more on that one i really could not agree with you more well and and now that we're kind of circling into fetishy stuff you were uh, sharing with me just before we started that you are breaking into some new content kinky content categories yourself coming up and so we're going to take just a short break here and when we come back uh, after hearing from our friends over at domcon we're going to talk about bringing new stuff into your established adult career uh, with chris so stay tuned gang we'll be right back Mistress Cyan presents DomCon New Orleans, October 27th through the 30th. DomCon is North America's largest convention for professional and lifestyle BDSM enthusiasts. Got kink? DomCon provides the largest selection of kink and BDSM education to help you take your exploration to the next level. Need gear? DomCon has a curated and exceptional collection of vendors from the wide world of adult product manufacturers. DomCon is a COVID vaccination required event inside the historic Astor Crown Plaza Hotel in the heart of the French Quarter. Mistress Cyan presents DomCon New Orleans, October 27th through the 30th. Make your reservations today at domcon.com or email info at domcon.com. Gang, I have had Chris in studio joining me today. We've had a great conversation in the first half of this interview. azpornstar.com. Go find out all of his platforms. Even hit the contact us and say hi. Uh, reach out, especially if you're a content creator and looking to Please. collaborate uh, anywhere near uh, the Phoenix, Arizona area. You definitely look up Chris. Uh so just before the break, we were kind of queuing it up here. You've been doing adult content for many, many seasons now. Uh, you are gone independent. You're building your own brand in the recent recent uh, months and years here. And so 
you're about to break out or bring you're about to bring something from your lifestyle into your adult content career and it's kinky it sounds like talk to me tell me brother what's going on you know so you were you were talking about bringing you know things the 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 fetish into it and and being able to show it um in a in a way that's healthy and i and i think that's a, a big piece of it and so in my personal life um i do bdsm i'm i'm real big into impact uh and shibari uh, being an artist, Shibari is is one of those things that I learned. I love extremely cathartic for me. Uh, and so I, you know, as I'm doing this mainstream to really kind of build more of that audience and, and really kind of, um, you know, the, tickle all the different people out there, I, I want them to come in and start seeing now the content that is passionate uh, for me, the things that I do in my personal life, I want to bring to, you know, to the screen. And so that involves, uh, you know, impact. I just did, uh, I recorded my first impact scene the other day. That'll be out in a few weeks. Um, you know, I want to start bringing in Shibari. I already have, there's, there's like a long line of people who have messaged me and said, please tie me up. Like, I just, I want to be tied up. I want, I want, I love your work. Um, if you go, if you go on my platforms, um, I'm on uh, FetLife as well. And there's a ton of my work on there. Uh, and so, you know, I want to bring that in and, and kind of incorporate it, you know, just as a straight shibari scene, uh, you know, going through the process of, of tying and the artwork and all of that. Uh, and then maybe in, include some of the, uh, you know, the sex and fun stuff as well, just kind of depending on, on what that vibe is like. Well, and interestingly enough, too, even as uh, fetish content creators, there is a growing pantheon of kinksters coming into the scene who do not particularly sexualize their kink exploration. There's a hugely growing number of folks. Uh, 910 WeHo, in fact, right over in West Hollywood, is an entire dungeon devoted to the non-sexual exploration of kink. And so shout out to Tom and the gang over there, too. And uh, and so, uh, uh, yeah, we are we're entering this world of adult that at times isn't all that adult seeming. Uh, mm -hmm. I know I know ABDLs. These are adult baby diaper lovers. These are that's these are four separate words, by the way. Adult baby and diaper lover are different categories, even. But I know folks that classify under this and they, too, enjoy this non-sexualized approach to the catharsis. Mm -hmm. of you spoke to the artisticness uh, and the artistic value in Shibari. I'm a huge fan. I'm a, 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 I go back, my first visual experience is going, wait, what is that? And oh my God, it's both kinky and artistic. Oh. It's it's the 90s in the real sex series that HBO used to do and, and they featured fucking Midori back in yeah. the you know, 90s. And she's doing these like amazing, you know, and and I and I'm, I'm enthralled in, and so rope is a thing, man. Rope is mm -hmm. uh, 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 talk to me, brother. Uh, I, I have my favorites. Mm -hmm. uh, I get very rope snobby. I can get real snobby about rope too, uh, uh, and stuff. Do you have a favorite uh, uh, rope fiber? Do you have a favorite rope fiber? I use I use jute a lot. So I, I have different. Um, I have jute. I have um, coconut. So, and I, and I have, and I have the, the traditional play rope and, and this is the rope you're going to find at your neighborhood kinky store, you know, and, um, each one of them is, is honestly for a very different purpose, depending on, on what it is. Um, you know, somebody who has never been in rope before, like I have a whole process for this. And when you talk about not sexualizing it, that's how it is. Like, that's the first thing I start off with. So I'm like, if I tie you up, 
it doesn't mean I'm going to fuck you. It means that I'm going to tie you up. Now, if we go through the the whole consent process and you're like, my fantasy is I want to be tied up and then fucked at the end, then great, we'll do that. But if if it's strictly rope, then that's what it is, start to finish. There's nothing else. I don't do anything inappropriate um, because to me, consent and my name and you know all of that is very, very important. So uh, I have different types of rope. Uh, I have the, the play rope that you'd get from a kinky store. And I use that for somebody who's never been tied up before. It's a little stretchy. It's got some give to it. You know, it lets them feel what it's like to be bound up uh, and tied up and restrained, um, but still be able to kind of move and adjust if they want to. Um, I use jute 90% of the time and everything else that I do. These are, you know, typically people who uh, I play with, people who have been tied up by me before. They know my process. Uh, they know how I go through and, and do it. And, and, and that's more, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's a tighter fit on there. And then if I want to, I'm, I'm a super sadist at heart. Uh, if I want to, to, to go a little bit uh, rougher, I will start using the coconut rope. Um, and, and that, it just has a nice bite to it. And I, I make sure I go nice and tight and, and I put knots in certain places and yeah, so it's, uh, it, it's for, it serves different purposes. We are going to have to team up sometime because, yeah, you talk about those knots in specific mm-hmm. places. Oh, my God. Yeah, my favorite uh, to do with things like jute and especially coconut is to do body harnesses mm-hmm. that especially continue to shift as they move. But like yeah. still. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, just, it just it makes me giggle all fucking throughout the entire because somebody like, oh, do me in a body harness, daddy. Let's go to the bar. And I'm like, OK, sure. I'm going to yeah. see how long this fucking coconut body harness lasts, you know. And yeah. so I'll be sitting there sipping my beer and I'm just watching him shift, yep. trying to itch them, but not like itch themselves. They don't really want to like, but they can't quite figure out why they can't get comfortable in it. And no, I yeah, I see well and i love the fact that you even talked about rope is as different and rope fibers and the way rope is created uh, uh has a tremendous amount of say in how we employ its use in kink especially in bdsm i talk regularly about the difference between dynamic and static rope and by dynamic i mean rope that stretches has got a lot of bounce to it you know something you want to go rock climbing with yeah. versus static rope something you want to lash something you're trying to create into a solid you know thing together you know these are different these are different ropes for different purposes you know and uh, and so yeah i i, I love finding an another rope snob oh my gosh so i've even got some electro rope it's bamboo with some uh mylar you know woven into it and i can electrify it very uh, uh somebody somebody called it the lasso of truth <laughs> so, and, that, and that's funny you say that because i'm i'm just i have not gotten into electric play and that's something that i was introduced to recently i know right and i i'm not you know i there's some things for me in there that i i kind of have to get over a little ptsd from you know forgetting to turn off breakers when changing out light switches sort of thing so once i get past that i think the the rope with you know um the electric play is is something i definitely want to explore so that is that is next on my list Hey, but I hear you. If you've ever been bit by even 120, that shit's not fucking fun at all. Yeah. And I, yeah, I get that completely. Yeah. Electro does not jive for everyone. Uh, and there are different, there's two very different types and we'll get off into that some other time. I'd love, I'd love to have a little share uh, with you sometime. We can exchange some knowledge base. Uh, I, I, I love it. Okay, so Shabari, uh, impact play is also 
one of my favorites. I, in fact, am working right now on breaking down the body mechanics of Florentine flogging Mm -hmm. in its various formats for the audience out here. Uh, I'm a bit of an impact guru. I did all of August, in fact. All of our chat breaks were all about impact spanking 101 and talked about positions and things. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite type of impact play? Um, I'm big on the flogger. I have, uh, I have, I have one flogger. It can, it can be used as a, as an anal, uh, toy as well, which is great. I have this, I have this weird kink with like tails and things like that. So it kind of plays nicely into it. Um, but it's, it's a nice kind of, um, suede material um that honestly it reminds you of like when you when you're getting hit with it it's like going through a car wash it's like that kind of feeling to it too and it's it's really long and everything like that um i have some paddles i have some paddles with rope mixed into them so i kind of combine the two of those you know one side's a little bit more fun than the other side one side's got not knots the other side just has rope on it um i have a i have a paddle that has uh many like um I don't know. They're like little mini, you know, uh, metal pieces to it where, I mean, if you hit hard enough, you will break the skin and it, it leaves just these nice little dots and everything anywhere. So, uh, yeah, I have, I have some favorites that I like to use for sure. And honestly, and I get creative too. Like I'll find, you know, kitchen utensils. I'll find if something's close by, I'll just grab it and just use it. Like I, I found there was a really big paddles at a home store the other day really big paddles, probably like, like this, uh, really, you know, solid handle to it. it it's, it's meant for like, you know, serving food on, you know, a nice, you know, charcuterie, charcuterie board. <laughs> and that's what it was. And I, and I looked at this and it said, add some sugar and spice. And I was like, Oh, oh that would, work. and it was engraved in there too. So if you hit with that, that leaves part of it in. And yeah. So that's uh, I'll start adding those things to my, to my arsenal. I love that. Let's uh, let's circle back into the industry talk though. When we're when we're doing fetish content, there mm-hmm. is a whole other uh, line of thought negotiation that has to go into the discussion, framing up the scene, deciding on what kind of scene you even want to do, finding the right people to do it. So this early on in fetish content, there was models that would show up. You know, from us to a studio call, who weren't particularly kinky, or they'd end up trying to do fetish scenes that that were not their thing at all. And I absolutely do not abide by that kind of the model. Like, I don't believe you should ever try to coerce a model or a, a performer into doing something that isn't naturally already to them, something interesting yeah. to them. Um, and even then, it, you have to skew it to their experience level. Even you can't just assume that they'll be fine going to 11 on the scale of one to 10, you know, uh, for the camera. That's that's how people uh, have their consent broken. That's how people get hurt and harmed both emotionally and physically on sets. That's how abuse happens. That's totally how abuse happens. And so the negotiation process here at Hope Bunch for a, a, a fetish scene is usually several email conversations in advance. In other words, we know kind of what we want to do for a series, for instance. We're doing a series on first-time fisters, people who mm-hmm. have either wanted to top or bottom either way for the first time and have never you know, been able to or for whatever reason. And so we're vetting all of these talents right now based on their experience level, based on a series of questions that I worked up with an actual psychologist because I'm trying to – because some people – 
want so badly to have, especially a kink experience, they'll put themselves in harm's way inadvertently to mm-hmm. try to get it. Um, and so, and in models, models will do that too. They want to break into a new category of content. They'll inadvertently sign on to do something they're not prepared for. Um, and so as the producer, I feel it's totally my duty to go as far as I possibly can to make sure I'm doing my due diligence for that person, for that actor more than anything else. I don't even, I don't even honestly look at it as a covering my own ass situation anymore, which it is like legal liability is a real thing. Um, no, I genuinely look at it as I don't, I want you to walk away from this experience uplifted and better for it, not harmed in any way by it and, and, and stuff. Uh, God knows this fucking universe in this world has seen enough hurt Humans can heap enough genuine hurt on each other without even trying. I mean, you know, so when we find catharsis and we want to start exploring that, it's something we take quite seriously. So I commend you for your commitment even to those conversations. How's it going? Are you finding uh, a lot of models? You said you got a lot of models ready to tie me up, tie me up. How's it with impact models, for, especially on camera? That's a different, so- whole different animal for folks. Yeah. So the, the, the impact, and, and I, I want to, I, I want to speak to something that you said that I think is so very important is, you know, and this is what I see. I've, I've done BDSM. I've done kink in my personal lifestyle. And and so kink, uh, consent is, is huge. And you go through and you discuss the scene and exactly how it's going to go. And, and so I wanted to translate that into the, into adult film. And I find a lot of times, like you were saying, you know, models are just even in personal life, people go in and they're like, well, I want to experience, you know, you know, the 50 shades of gray thing, which I'm like, no, no, no. Like, and, and they unfortunately meet up with people who see it as a power trip, see it as they just, they just want to abuse somebody and they don't ever take the other person and what they're going through into account. And I will tell you this, every single toy that I use on somebody I have used, I have had used on myself because I want to know exactly what it's going to feel like before I use it on somebody else. And it's, yeah, it's, and, and a lot of people don't do that. They use it as an excuse to, to, you know, beat, mistreat somebody. And I, I just, I think that's horrible. Um, the other part of it is, you know, my experience in the industry um, is my level five is going to be very different from your level five, you know? And I, anytime I go through, I'm always going, I'm like, listen, you know, tell me what your, what your tolerance level is, what you think it is on a scale of one, you know, be as gentle as you could be to a scale of 10 where it's super rough. Give me a number. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to try and match that number based on my experience. And then we're going to have a quick discussion and go, okay, you said four, I hit you at a four. Was it a four? You know, and if they go, oh, no, that was a two, I go, okay, great. I can adjust a little bit more. If they go, oh, that was a nine, I go, okay, I have to dial it back. And it's it's really trying to understand the other person and what they're going through physically and mentally and honestly, a lot of times emotionally and, and trying to make sure, like you said, when they when they leave, it's an uplifting experience. You know, I always joke around and say, listen, I want you to come back and I want you to tell your friends to come back and, right. and, and do this with me as well. And that's that's always my goal, both personally and professionally. No, extremely well articulated. Uh, it, it's it echoes things I've spoken to on the show here a lot. Um. Uh, that uh, whatever goes on in the playroom is all perfect. 
everything is okay inside the playroom in the realm of fantasy as long as all parties involved have sat down and done the unsexy side, the conversation, the negotiation, and then the active and consistent and continual consent. In other words, check in. So there's this I, – I joke that I came up in the gay leather of you know late 80s, early 90s when consent – a lot of times meant you showed up and then didn't press charges later. So, you know, that, you know, that was, that was good. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, but though that is a joke, there is some truth to yeah. some of, of that. Um, and gang, there's bad actors in this world. Mm-hmm. There's people that use fetish uh, chat boards, fetish hookup munches, even. I mean, people, there are bad actors in the world that use this as an opportunity to prey upon people. It is sad. Um, You spoke even of the Fifty Shades fantasy. I speak, one of the reasons I even came back into teaching kink in-person classes before the pandemic began and before I began all of this was because of the Fifty Shades effect. Mm -hmm. So many Novice folks were coming, and I say novice because it doesn't matter what age you are. If you're new to kink, you're new to kink. I mean, that's just how it works. So many novices came to our community, flooded in uh, 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 because of those films and having zero real context for what it means to actually start exploring kink in a healthy manner. Mm -hmm. Um, And so shout out that you're even – that you're even – looking toward that sort of 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 uh, scenario in your own work huge applause i look forward to seeing some of your new fetish content when it hits don't be shy and do let us know uh azpornstar.com gang you should absolutely be following um so what do you see as probably one of the biggest uh issues in our industry right now uh, do you, do you have time for like another three or four hours? <laughs> okay. Um, I, listen, there's, there's, there's a lot that I see. And, and I think that's a lot of the reason why, uh, my friend and I got into doing this is, is we see mistreatment of talent. Um, you know, kind of the, the use and abuse sort of thing, which I don't agree with. I think, um, you know, if, if people want to use their bodies, uh, to generate a living. They can do that. I don't feel like people should be taken advantage of. I mean, I, I see it on, on Twitter all the time. You know, the, the, um, the talent is trying to, you know, figure out a scene, you know, book some more work and, you know, people are just, are just trying to beat them down on their price. And then they try and get more content out of them. And I'm just like, somebody, you know, comes to me and says, Hey, this is what I charge. I'm like, great. When can we book? Like, I'm not, I'm not even going to talk about it. I'm going to say, listen, you're, you, there's worth to what you're doing, you know? And, you know, so I, I want, I want to treat you well from start to finish. Um, paperwork, uh, listen, I mean, I, I'm going to say, we were talking about this in, in the beginning, you know, the, the majority of the work that goes into this business is off camera. Um, it's into the preparation for the, the shoot itself. It's the conversations prior to the shoot, it's the conversations after the shoot. And a lot of that comes down to paperwork. I mean, I, I get paperwork from some other people. That's one page long. I send you my paperwork and it's seven pages long. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, if you're shooting multiple scenes with me, I'm sending you, you're filling out one of these sheets for every single scene you do with me because we were talking about the scale. You know, I have a whole sheet dedicated to in this scene, 
What are you consenting to do and what are you not consenting to do? What is your tolerance level for pain on this? And I'm going to make you fill it out for every scene because every scene is going to be different. We're going to have a conversation about it. Um, you know, I go through and I, I ask a lot of questions. I want to make sure that, you know, mentally you're here, you're okay. You're not on something. You know, I want to make sure that if you need to say no, you know, it, you're able to, you are in the right state of mind to do so. And so much of that goes into the preparation that I, I literally spend a ton of time setting up and I spend half hour, 45 minutes shooting. And then I spend another two hours, you know, doing everything else after. And, uh, and it's just, it's, it's the way that the, the business is. Um, especially, think, well, especially when you're rocking the ethical line, when you're actually, yeah. I get, I get this a lot, uh, rocket. How do I negotiate? a kink scene on a hookup and i'm like whoa full stop mm -hmm. first of all nope. you can't you're nope. hooking up go home and fuck and then yeah. while you're having some pillow talk talk about a possible kink scene a few days later yeah or whatever or you know or meet up for coffee later but it, yeah if you're gonna hook up hook up but leave the kink in the bag mm -hmm. and talk about it first because it's can you talk about it at a pickup well, now that's a different situation. Now you're having yeah. a drink and you're picking each other up and you're finding and you're negotiating and you can whip out each other's favorite uh, checklist. And, you know, do you, you like to use BDSM test.org or what's your thing? You know, and then you can actually talk it out. But no, this, uh, I get this one, you know, why I, my grinder hookup wants me to tie him up. And I'm like, no, that's, yeah. that, that's not what that's. That's not how you should be exploring this. Kink to me is like an event. It's event sex. You know, this is, we've prepared for this. We're planning, we're, eh, you know. And I'm not saying that we put so much energy into it that we give ourselves performance anxiety. God, let's not do that. No, yeah. But at the same time, there's, I think that there's a level of, for me, wind up in that like, mm, we're going to do it today. I get to work with my favorite daddy or, you know, whatever, or we're breaking in a new toy. We got this new box from Twisted Beast and I can't <laughs> wait, you know, it's like, hey, hey, there's, yeah, keep me enrolled in mm -hmm. the situation because that's the foundation of kink ex experiences, mm -hmm. keeping each other enrolled top and bottom. You talked about, uh, you know, some of the, I, I like, I liken the difference in kink to the difference between being dominant and being domineering. Mm -hmm. There's a huge, and I find this with men, women, non-binary players. It doesn't really matter what your gender identity is. It's more whether you see yourself as a dom or not. Um, you even spoke to none of your toys in your bag are being used on someone that you haven't actually experienced them yourself. Same huge philosophy. I, I believe that the best tops were great bottoms or at least bottoms that paid attention <laughs> to, to, to what was going on. And so myself, I'm a huge switch. I'm a professional switch. Like I, I lovingly say stunt switch. I'm thinking I'm going to put that shit on my card. Stunt go. switch because I'm able to also then look at a, a scene uh, a producer might be trying to work on a producer director and I'm able to come in and coach from both sides of mm -hmm. the scene and say, here's what I'm seeing in the dominant. Here's what I'm seeing in the submissive. How do you two see these? Does, does this all jive? Well, let me then coach you and some ideas and, and stuff like that. And during that, I'm making sure that everyone is actively consenting and that mm -hmm. they realize that at any point in time, you can use your safe word and, and, and stop this. Yeah. Do not 
power through a scene because the cameras are rolling. Jesus Christ, we're all shooting on digital. Fuck it. It's not even (laughs) fucking film anymore. Like it's, it's not, even if you need to stop the scene and take a breath, Mm -hmm. do that. And that's one of the things too, where especially fetish content, I highly recommend working with coaches, people who have industry experience, find pro doms who don't particularly want to do on, on camera content, but they're totally willing to show up on your set for 10, 15, 25 minutes to an hour and go, and then, Hey, are we familiar with all these toys? Oh, well, okay, hold on. Let's leave these crazy intermediate to max toys over here. Let's show you the entry level toys and yeah. we'll leave those for prop, <laughs> you know? Um, our industry uh, uh, needs to start to self-regulate mm-hmm. a lot more than it has been. We've got to put to bed the myth of free porn. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've got to put that to bed, first of all. And then we've got to start figuring out how to reach out to our our amateur adult content creators that do that really buck the system. They don't want anything to do with the system. So many of them are putting themselves in danger legally. They don't realize that all it's going to take is the feds to show up once and ask for your 2257 forms for one scene, Mm -hmm. just one, just one. And you can't produce those. You will go to jail, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and so I get a little worked up. When I see so many naive people uh, putting it out, putting it out there, putting it out there. Here's the other thing. Facial rec is fucking coming up. Everywhere. Facial recognition situations are coming up everywhere. I'm hearing sex workers left and right are getting denied the ability to even fucking check in at like uh, major hotel properties because they may have a known you know, background in, or I'm hearing there's a fucking facial recognition database running that keeps sex workers from other countries from coming into this country. And they Mm. built that database on our back pages, on our rent men, rent monsieur, rent, you know, a gal. Is it rent a gal? I don't even know. (laughs) Uh, I should check into that. Um, But they, yeah, they're building these ridiculous databases. So it's getting even harder to want to keep creating adult content and the people that are doing it ethically we do it because we fucking love it (laughs) we love what we create and so there's my little diatribe on the state of the adult industry right now um it's yeah you 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 talk you spoke to having to sort out platforms do you have a favorite right now do you have a favorite distribution platform uh, so a lot of my stuff right now is on mini vids. Um, I find just it just in terms of, you know, how, and, oh, and so, and this is something that's, that's big and just segue from paperwork and all that stuff. You know, mini vids is one of those ones that for every single scene you upload, they require the paperwork. Um, and I think a lot of other platforms are like, not my job. Um, and so they just let people upload whatever, and then they offload the, the responsibility on to whoever's uploading it. And, and I think that's just ripe for exploitation in a number of different ways. And mm-hmm. so the, the platform um, that, that the platforms that ask for the paperwork, you know, cause I'm, I'm like, I am OCD with that sort of stuff. Like I have files on everything. I keep it all together. Uh, you ask me for a scene and I, I can, I can get it to you within 10 seconds. You know, it's, it's very, very simple. And, you know, so the, the platforms that ask for that sort of stuff, I feel far more comfortable in because they're saying, Hey, look, if somebody comes to us asking for this, we've got the paperwork. And then if we need something more, we can come to you, but at least they're kind of acting as that, that first layer. So that's, that's the platform I support the most right now. 
No, I, 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 no, I did. I was not aware that Manny Vids was that uh, verifying on their process. Congratulations! I'll be checking and looking into them even deeper. I'm over at Just for Fans, and uh, they even created the Consent Center, which, uh, okay. So, say you're a performer, but you're not really ready to go full mainstream yet. Um, um, you can start. You can get into the Consent Center, get all your paperwork done, and get verified there, so that you can work with other performers. Mm-hmm. And they can can keep going. However, even with all the automated tools, gang, you as the final end producer still have to keep copies uh-huh. of all of this paperwork because you have to be able to produce it sometimes within 12 and 24 hour turnarounds to law enforcement. Um, uh, uh, the only advice I can give you to that is, is, well, don't give up shit unless you see a warrant. That is key. Unless they call you and say, hey, can you give us a recent address on such and such? They might be in peril. Well, then I usually pony up an address and say, okay. You know, in that scenario, I would pony up an address very quickly. But if you're coming at me from some actual, no, show me the warrant, then I'm going to give you the paperwork. uh, Because that warrant covers me (laughs) from giving up very intimate personal information on somebody. This is is the other thing. Is this is this is legal information on someone's actual persona, not their persona. Stage name, not their porn name, you know, their actual name, their driver's license, uh, passports. Often we get pictures of passports. It's it, this is intimate information. This is information that could be used to steal someone's identity uh, or stalk someone. You know, uh, there's a, there's a huge reason that it, 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 it again, and it goes into the stress full nature of sometimes being a content producer uh, and yeah. producing. And so I, any platform that is taking uh, the responsibility upon themselves to actually vet and make sure that the the uh, collaborators they're working with that are bringing content to them are doing it ethically, huge props. It's like, I'm yeah. going to give huge props to that uh, because our industry got overran by very unethical very mm-hmm. unethical and you talk about you touched on the explore exploitation that derives up as a byproduct of that uh and they don't care there's a lot of platforms out there gang and and sadly more don't care than do and it's mm-hmm. hard sometimes to sift through that and so you can always even email me gang anytime here at the show any questions about a particular platform and i'll deep dive that fucker for you and give you give it my eh or eh kind of a scenario chris this has been outstanding uh you and i i knew you and i were philosophically were were kind of jiving yeah. just by some of the communication the way you talk on your twitter and the way you communicate to your audience uh, uh, and then this is your content, the way you're very sensual, you, you know, you, yeah, you have a way about you. I very much enjoy, uh, uh, watching you work. And so do the, your partners, your scene partners seem to be very, very much. Oh, they love it. They, they love it. They, I, they, they honestly keep coming back. And, and, and honestly, it's a lot, be, it's because of that sensual nature. Like, listen, I, I am a, I am a daddy dom, uh, by default. And so, you know, I'm, I'm that caring, that nurturing side. And, and I honestly, I bring that into, to the scenes that I do and I don't really get super, super rough in them unless it's an impact scene or something like that, where it's been negotiated. Um, you know, but it's, I I do want to bring that more sensual side to it. I, I do want to show, you know, a little bit more of that connection, um, you know, between, you know, between the talent and not have it be so, you know, not personal sort of thing. So yeah, that's, that is my, uh, my direction overall. 
Man, I look forward to more of your content, especially the fetish stuff. Uh, and do yeah. not be a stranger around here, my friend. You've got to, uh, you've got carte blanche. Come hit us up, especially if you're launching something, you drop a new content, and especially the fetish stuff. Don't yep. be a stranger. Come say hi and uh, keep us CC'd. Chris can be found online, azpornstar.com. Find him out there, gang. Chris, hang in the green room. I want to chat a little after the show. Sounds gang, good. you know the drill. I appreciate you. Oh, no, anytime, man. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Rocket Review. If you would like to be a guest or have your adult industry business featured on TRR, please email rocket at therocketreview.com. TRR is a production of Whole Punch Media and is supported through corporate sponsorships and subscribers like you. Remember, gang, if you can't be good, be damn good at it.